book of Revelation. The last time we preached or taught the book of Revelation, we basically went from chapter to chapter, verse by verse. Uh, uh, we will approach it a little different way this time. But the doctrine of eschatology is a study of the doctrine or teaching in the Bible concerning the end times, more specifically of a period of time dealing with the return of Christ and the events that follow. Uh, most people that are up with the word of God and study the second coming and uh, there's arguments over whether you pre or mid or omni, all, all of those, I, I don't get into that. I believe the Bible is clear that we are pre-millennial. We will be raptured out before the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, but eschatology subjects commence with the rapture followed by the tribulation, millennial, final judgment, Armageddon, new heavens, and new earth. So there is a basic order. You, if you take notes, you, we're not going to go through all of these, but in the New Testament, uh, politics chapters include, but not limited to, but these are the most prevalent, uh, Mark the 20, uh, Matthew the 24th chapter, Mark the 13th chapter, Luke the 17th chapter, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, 13, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, and 9, and 2 Thessalonians. Uh, so there's these, if you read Matthew 24 or Mark 13, Luke 17, you read those entire three chapters, you're going to learn a lot about uh, the doctrine of eschatology. In one form or another, most of the books of the Bible deal with the end time subjects. But some uh, that are more prominent than others, if you're studying what we're going to study this morning, eschatology and the chronological order, it, you know, you'd be good to read Daniel and Ezekiel, Isaiah, Joel, Zechariah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Thessalonians, and of course, Revelation. No, that's a lot to write down. If anyone wants a copy of these notes, I'd be glad to, to give them to you. But uh, why is understanding the doctrine of eschatology so important? Well, first, because of his prominence in Scripture, there's so much said about it. You know, and so God only has to say one verse, one word, or he don't have to say anything. And, you know, he doesn't always, but I believe when it comes to the second coming, he wants us to be familiar with the signs, you know, and we, uh, you know, 
if you take a road uh, trip and if you've got direction, you follow the signs. And uh, it's no difference than to be ready to meet the Lord. We've got to know the time, the season, and uh, just a sidebar, as you would say, uh, we, as America, got to keep our eyes on Israel because uh, that is why that the what's going over in Ukraine and not just that, but that, uh, you know, the big powers, Russia and uh, China and Iran, are all becoming one power unit. And uh, the only way to get rid of those would be a war of atomic bombs. And, you know, nobody wins. And uh, I think that's one of the signs that uh, looked up your redemption draws nigh. But uh, no man knows the hour. No man knows the day. But we know, you know, uh, that the Bible tells us some things. But uh, to the gospel of Christ, eschatology is the most emphasized subject in the Bible. I remember uh, that, you know, I was taking a test at Cincinnati Baptist College down there, and uh, I had a perfect score except this year. I knew it, but, you know, you go blank, you know. Why is the understanding of the doctrine of eschatology so important? And, of course, the answer is because of his prominence in Scripture. Other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's more in the Bible about his second coming than any other subject. And, you know, you wouldn't think that, but the fact of eschatology is intended to comfort the believer. I mean, I find comfort in the fact that uh, uh, I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting here this morning. You know, I, I, I want to die today. I'm going to do everything I can to stay alive. But, uh, you know, death does not fear me. You know, I, I don't go all the pieces. I wouldn't go all the pieces. You know, if I knew that I only had a while to uh, to live, because compared to eternity, that's all any of us have. We just have a very short period of time to live on this earth. Now, in First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter four, First Thessalonians chapter four. And verse 18, God says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? The words of this chapter. We ought to comfort one another to the fact that it's got to get bad, it's got to get bad before the Lord is going to come. You know, and just a sign, I stopped at two filling stations going down to Georgia, one to, of course, to get gas, the other to give me something to drink. And I noticed 
no diesel. In Newman, where we stayed, there's a station that got 10 different places where you can pull in and get gas. No diesel. He said, well, you know, I don't have a diesel. All of these trucks that you tried to get ahead of, every one of them is on diesel. And we are so out of it, some of us. What does that got to do with me? They don't deliver food at Kroger's and Walmart in the back of the car, you know. So when we have a president and that whatever that other guy, you know, that he told him he had to sue somebody out of it as much as he, he was, you know, you know, quit, quit important gas, quit important gas. Well, if there's no diesel and they quit importing the fuel to make the gas out of, they control you. One of the signs before the Lord comes back is that, you know, that's uh, we have to turn. We got to turn to someone. Will we turn to the Lord or will we turn to our government, you know? And we live like that doesn't concern me, but it does concern you. First John chapter 3 and verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is purified. What's he talking about? Verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, this is the key that I read in verse 3. Every man that has this hope, what hope? The hope of the first two verses. If we really believe that the Lord could come today, most of us would change our lifestyle. What we think, what we watch, everything. God said, every man that had this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. We, as a nation, live as if God's not going to come. Not in this century. Not until my kids get out of college. Not until my grandkids. You know, I mean, it's, that's how we know this here is one of the most prominent signs that the Lord is on his way when you read that. God said, not should. He said, in every man that had this hope in him purifies himself. If I believe the Lord may come tomorrow, I want to make right what I can today. But instead, this nation, I'll change tomorrow. I'll get better later. As soon as I do this, as soon as this. 
The Bible is not vague about the chronological events of concerning end times. We note the chronological events that are certain to happen. First, the rapture of the church. There's nothing that I can see in the word of God that would keep the Lord from coming today and being in conflict with the Bible. Now, what you got to understand when we talk about the first event, the rapture of the church, this could happen now. Well, when we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That means if the rapture came today, every one of my loved ones that have died before, if they are saved, if they were saved, they would come out of the grave first. Nothing is going to prevent that from happening. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We go in, if our wife having surgery, our husband, our kids, our friends, it'll be all right. You know, just... The suffering is bad right now, but in a few days, it'll be all right. Well, it's not going to be all right for the Christian because we're so close to the second coming that the world as a whole is against the Christian. I was sitting in the motel room yesterday morning, and I, it was Fox News Live, and they had three seniors from the University of Alabama. And all three of them testified that they say the professors are teaching garbage. And all three of them said they are. But in Alabama, the students make up and they have a choice, a control. And all three of them admitted in different ways. The problem is not the Professors, the problem is that colleges are filled with liberal students. I no doubt in my mind you to take a survey of every college in this United States and the liberals would win. Because the educated people that I talk to they have no problem with believing that a child doesn't know whether it's going to be male or female until it's four or five years old. That is stupidness at the... It tops it. God created male and female. And you don't have to grow up to determine we would 
born in the image and the likeness of God. So I asked man down there, we were talking, I said, do you believe? Do you believe that a man can change what God has made him to be? We were created in the image and likeness of God. God didn't create no homosexuals or bisexuals or people that don't know whether they're male or female. They got to grow up to see. These are signs of the Lord's coming. And if you want to know what God thinks about them, you know, if people ask me that when we get on that subject, what does God think about it? I know you don't like them. You hate them maybe, but doesn't God love them? No, he doesn't. What did he do? He killed them all. Amen. Why should we be for something that God is against? Sign of the time. Sign of the times. Notice with me in the word of God. We, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. God says here in verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. God said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. You know, you sit in a hospital room or a waiting room, and people ask all kinds of questions and go through all the things. You know, and this son was saying, Mommy, how will I recognize you? And you won't believe the answer. You see this tattoo? I made it with my name on it so you'll know who I am. I should have kept my mouth shut, but I said, Well, lady, there won't be no tattoos in glory. Now, you disagree and argue and get mad all you want to, there will be no tattoos in glory. And I won't have the scar all the way down my chest either. And I won't have the scars on each side. I'll have a body like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, perfect in every way. God said in verse 53, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. We won't have a body like this. You that were born with a perfect body with no disease, you know, it may upset you, but I won't have no eye problem, no ear problem, no heart problem. Won't be no cancer. Won't, won't be any of those things. So the first thing going to take place is the rapture of the church. 
The second is the judgment seat of Christ. This will happen in heaven where believers will be judged according to their works and receive or lose rewards. Now, it's very important. I appreciate Brother Steve filling in Wednesday. I listened to him. He did a great job. But God said in Second Corinthians chapter five and verse ten, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he have done, whether it be good or bad. Am I preaching because God called me to preach? Did Brother Steve volunteer to fill in for me because he wanted to be a help to his pastor, wanted to be a help to the church? Or did he say, this is my chance to shine? Yeah, we know Steve. We know him well enough. But you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account to God for everything you've done, but the key, you're going to give an account of why you did it. Was that not what he said? He said here in 1 Corinthians, you know, uh, Second Corinthians, excuse me, 5 verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he have done, whether it be good or bad. Now, whether good or bad is not a great delivery, a flawless sermon, but what's in my heart? Why am I serving him? Am I serving him out of heart of love? Or I'm serving him to compete with somebody else? God tells us in Romans 14. In Romans, the 14th chapter. Now, when we, when we look at the word of God, and we see here in Romans, the 14th chapter, and verse 10, God said, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, that all is talking about saved people. Lost people will, will not stand at the judgment seat, but a different judgment for them. But notice here what God said. He said in verse 11, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You know, and when I 
meditate on that verse. God already knows. But sometimes we don't know whether we're doing something out of habit because that's the way we was brought up or are we doing it out of a heart of love? The key is if the family stops serving, if all your friends stop serving, if it's only you standing before God this morning, then we know it's, I'm serving God. I'm glad that I'm able to please someone. But it's all about God. It's, it's all doing what God wants me to do. The third order is the marriage of the Lamb. This will happen in the heavenlies. Now, we'll get into these uh, a lot deeper when we get into the study, but, uh, you know, and you may find somebody, and you may even disagree, and I, I, I won't get upset. This is the way God has revealed it to me. Uh, Revelation 19.7 said, you know, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Who's his wife? The bride. Who's the bride? His church. So, if the church believes that the second coming is so close, we would be getting ourselves ready. You know. Two preachers, I both know, said the last Sunday there in Lexington, you know, Easter Sunday, double what normally was that. You know. God is going to judge if those that showed up for Easter service only, whether they're truly saved or not. We welcome, I don't care whether they're saved, you know, they come in, we preach to them. But the marriage of the Lamb is let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife, the the bride has made herself ready. Now, let this sink in. And his wife have made herself ready. Did any of you do anything that caused God to save you? God saved you because he wanted to. You heard the word, but now he added you to the church. And he added you to the church for a reason. You don't have to be a church member to go to heaven. But you've got to be a church member to be in the bride. That's, that's the bride, his church. And God said, the bride has made herself ready. What did she do? We know it's not talking about salvation because God saves you. But what has the members of the church did to make themselves ready to be raptured up?
Number four, the seven-sealed book. This crisis will occur after the rapture, and you've got to read chapter four, you know, first seven chapters of Revelation. Let's read those seven chapters over and over and over. Then you're ready to go to the 19th, 20, and 21st. The fifth event is the Great Tribulation, known also as Jacob's Trouble and Daniel's 70th week. So we read Daniel. Cross-reference with Revelation. If you've got a reference Bible, even a halfway good reference Bible, will reference Daniel with Revelation during the Great Tribulation. That way, you come to a conclusion of what you believe about the Tribulation and and all of these things because of the Bible. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've got got books on top of books written by men I respect, men I've never known. They've already born and died before I was even born. But every one of them referenced the Bible. See, you don't want a commentary. I've got a commentary on the book of Revelation by E.G. Cook. I like to read after E.G. Cook. But that was a waste of money as far as I'm concerned because he spent the whole book giving his opinion. I don't want my opinion, I don't want your opinion unless we've got Bible for it. You know, God said he has not appointed his children to wrath. And then a preacher gets online and he wants to debate me. So that means that we're going through the first three and a half years. No, it doesn't. Now, if God has made a special deal with you and you want to stay down here three and a half years and suffer a little bit, that's life up to you and God. But God said, I have not appointed my children to wrath. So when that trumpet, I'm gone. The second coming will be visible and invincible. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. God says, Even so Sodom and Dramar and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, that's you. Now, let's look at the great final revolt, whatever we want to call it, of the Lord in Revelation 1-7. Behold, he cometh with, in clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierce him, and because of him, even so, Amen. Who's he talking about? A 
lost man ain't going to see it. Every saved person will be raptured. I mean, I often thought, you know, uh, some of you probably laugh about this. It's small. I was in a, a carpool when I lived in Lawrenceburg, you know. Drove from Lawrenceburg to IBM every, every day. And they had three, one Christian and two Methodists. And I was joking one day. I said, you know, it was my turn to drive. We were going down Bluegrass Parkway. <laughs> I said, you know, if the Lord rapture is today, one of y'all be ready to take the wheel because I'm gone. You know, they thought that was the stupidest thing they ever heard. I don't care, you know. That's one good reason I don't want to fly. You know, if if I'm going to fly, I want to make sure that, you know, there's a lost man driving, you know. I don't want that pilot... I take God's word serious. And I'll have fun with it. But uh, the seven seals, the great tribulation, then, uh, you know, but God said in Revelation 1 7, Behold, he trumpeth in the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also. Uh, which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth so well because of him, even so, amen. God says the millennial reign, the reign of Christ on earth for 1,000 years in Revelation chapter 20 and verse uh, 4. You know, uh, we uh, see here when God said, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which has not worshipped the beast neither his image, neither have received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Those people speaking there are basically Jews. The Jews are looking for him to come the first time. We're looking for him to come the second time. And a lot of Jews will go through the tribulation period and they will be saved through the tribulation period. But with what pain and agony they will go through. You know, the main thing about when you study Revelation, don't become so dogmatic on some of the details because uh, God did not reveal a step-by-step. We got to, you'll find yourself studying in Daniel a lot and other Old Testament saints but uh, we also see in Revelation chapter 20 verse 7 uh, you know he said and when a thousand years had expired Satan shall be loose out of the prison and shall go 
out to deceive the nation with one in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the seas. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and trampassed the camp of the saints about and beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven to devour them. I think this is the most interesting part. Uh, you know, uh, there, the Satan is in the pit for a thousand years, and we're living. I'll be there living. You know, I've never been in politics, never had any, you know, but I may hold an office for that thousand years. It will be a normal government without sin. But thousand years of tranquility and God opens the pit and the devil comes out and immediately, you know, immediately. It's amazing. It's amazing. God... And number 10, the destruction of the present earth and surrounding heavens. You know, I love this scripture in Second Peter. In Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then they all, that all these things shall dissolve, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and jolliness? Verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also suffered to wisdom given unto him have written unto you. That's why the Paul's writings are so important to the study of the church, missionaries, second coming. And then, of course, the last event would be the new creation of heaven and earth. New creation. God said in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Going to have a new heaven. Perfect just like it was in the Garden of Eden. That's when everything final, the the new creation of heaven and earth. He said, And I, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself 
shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from the eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Can you imagine? People that live in pain. Once they die, they go to glory. The pain stops. But in this new heaven and new earth, where there's no Satan, no sin, and no pain. The chronological events clearly present the wisdom of God in all his doings. And how fortunate we are as believers to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I never argue with any preacher. I never argue with any individual. You know, it is a study of things to come. And your view is going to be how deep, how willing you are to go deep. If you study the church and go deep, you know Christ built his church. It is a Baptist church, and he only built one church. But you kind of study that. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for the privilege to be in thy house. We ask you, Father, to bless this service, that you may receive honor and glory.